Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. With the Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card, you can earn unlimited 2% cash rewards on purchases you want and purchases you need. That means you earn 2% cash rewards on what you want, like season tickets to watch your favorite team, and 2% cash rewards on what you need, like paying for parking. That's the beauty of the Active Cash credit card. It's ready when you are with unlimited 2% cash rewards. The Wells Fargo Active Cash credit card. That's real life ready. Terms apply. Learn more at wellsfargo.com slash active cash. All right, welcome to Bet the Edge. I'm Jay Croucher here with Drew Dinsick. As always, uh, today is our AMA show that we're going to try do Tuesdays throughout the NFL offseason. So we'll go through uh, a lot of questions that were sent at us. Thanks for everyone who sent them through. Then we'll talk a little Brooklyn Nets after they let go of Jacques Vaughn uh, and then some uh, Russell Wilson and his 2024 team at the end. But let's start off with the questions. The first one, Drew, is from uh, at Go Pepper. Do you all think NBA and NFL higher-ups have told writers to cut back on award polling? Mm. No Pelissero poll at the end of the NFL season, no real mid-season NBA polling like how Mark Medina would always publish. Pros and cons as an award better. Uh, thanks in advance, show crushes. Thank you, Go Pepper. Uh, what do you think, Drew? I think almost certainly the NFL. Um, they put, as far as we can tell, there was a fatwa on <laughs> writing an article at the end of the year about who you voted on because they wanted the, uh, you know, the awards show to have drama. Um, I found it annoying. <laughs> I think I didn't like, like yeah, no, I think you should, you should be, have to be pretty transparent about your decision-making process and you should publish why you, who, who you voted for and why you made those decisions. Uh, I know a lot of people, um, you know, still talk about it on podcasts, at least the NBA people, which I appreciate a lot because you get insight into people's thought process and that helps you understand better how to shape these markets, how they ought to be uh, priced. And, um, you know, I, I think it's a pretty valuable part of the conversation and keeping it cloak and dagger is, is ridiculous. Yep. No, I agree. I think in terms of, uh, yeah, from just like a, I guess, kind of real world non-gambling perspective, I think people should absolutely declare their votes. Like these, your voting on awards has ripples into, you know, people's salaries and stuff. And I think that, yeah, you shouldn't be able to just like get away with uh, having, yeah, if you voted someone ridiculous like um, Joe Flacco for Comeback Player of the Year. Um, <laughs> strangely, no other examples sprung to mind. Uh, that's the only thing in my mind still. Um, but yeah, no, I think you should have to have to declare that. I know... Uh, our friend, uh, NBC's own Mike Florio, uh, has mm -hmm. been big on that, and uh, and I agree with that. I agree on Mike with Mike on that. Uh, in terms of like handicapping um, and pros and cons for this, in terms of betting these markets, uh, to, personally, I would prefer that in terms of mid-season stuff, I would prefer there was no polling at all. Yeah. I'd rather be completely in the dark because I think that you know my strength as a handicapper of these is being able to project what people will vote for and I'm going to be wrong sometimes but relative to market I'm going to be right more often than I'm wrong and when there are these polls it's just like a public cheat sheet and it infects the markets and it gets everyone closer it uh, gets the market closer to, to truth uh, and it makes it easier for books to price these markets and it can erode value and um, you know the example of this that's closest to my heart is that with a month to go in the 21-22 NBA season Marcus Smart was 500 to one to win Defensive Player of the Year, and I thought he should be the favorite. 
Now, if there was mid-season polling at that point, then I just would have been screwed entirely because the market would have just completely tanked on smart. But the fact there was no polling allowed for that. Um, same thing this year where if Pelissero did his poll, I guarantee we're not getting Miles Garrett at plus 150 with two weeks left in the season. Like he would be <laughs> minus 300, which was what he should have been. And that's why, um, yeah. And this is the same thing the year before, like Nick Bosa. It was pretty clear that Nick mm -hmm. Bosa was going to win. And then the poll, there is a poll that gets released and his price completely tanks. We probably lose two extra weeks to be able to bet Nick Bosa at minus 110 when his true price minus 750 or whatever. Um, so I am, yeah, I know we're in the middle of NBA season now. There are some awards that are really, I don't think anyone has like a, a fantastic grip on what is going to happen in most improved player in mm -hmm. sixth man of the year. Probably those two in particular. Um, like here's the thing too, is that like there's no polling on, basically no polling on clutch player of the year. And if there were polling, then Stephen Curry, when he was plus 700, would have been like minus 250. Uh, so I think that the fact that it doesn't exist a lot this year is beneficial um, if you were able to solve these markets. But what do you think overall? Yeah, no, I, I, I would also, I agree with your take. And I would also just add the midseason polling to me felt like in some ways when you put yourself on record midseason, like now you're, now you're kind of anchored to your you know your take there and it's it's sometimes it's a little tougher to come off of it even if it's clearly wrong uh and so you got some weird stuff where people kind of had committed to a bit on a guy being a you know a given award and uh you know they stick with it to the end because they said they were going to do it in february and reality you should just reevaluate at the end of the season with all the information you have uh and make your decision then and so yeah i think uh the pelicero one is kind of interesting just because I don't know if that had to do with the NFL kind of clamping down on um, just awards information being disseminated or if it was just bad timing because they couldn't get in touch with people because of the holidays. Like the schedule and the sequencing really around Christmas and New Year's this year was pretty bizarre. Um, and I think that might have thrown some monkey wrenches into things. Um, but uh, yeah, that you, you know, that the, um, the idea of this being you know, kind of fully cooked before you can get your full stake in uh, is uh, is probably the most important of this whole conversation. Yeah, that's, yeah, I think that's the main thing. The other thing too is that in terms of like how much value you attach to the polls that actually do come out and there are always polls in some form is I would say uh, one, like make sure that you know who is participating in the poll because like there are some like CBS polls on the NFL where people participating are like guys who cover the Pistons and stuff. So it's like, all right, well, I'm not going to weight that as much as if you're polling, you know, like the Greg Wyshynski poll on uh, ESPN for NHL awards. That is like polling actual voters. Uh, so obviously you got to figure out, you know, how valuable the information is. The other thing too is that, you have to remember, like, it's a snapshot in time at that moment. It's not necessarily that that same snapshot is going to, the same one is going to exist towards the end of the season. Where I think it is valuable is when you compare candidates who you might think on merit have similar cases. And if one is just lapping the other across the board, that gives an indication that that guy just has more juice. And that's why, you know, the polling at midseason this year was um particularly valuable for me with mvp and just seeing how lamar jackson was winning every yeah. single despite the fact that he had no case whatsoever so i was like oh well like, uh -oh. From miami he's probably <laughs> gonna win mvp because people think that uh yeah he's really good uh and they think he's better than brock birdie and tua tagovailoa 
Uh, and that's probably all that's going to matter if people have an excuse to vote for him. Um, so yeah, that would be my thoughts there. All right, question two from our friend, uh, retired donator at NFL Pinnacle Beat. Previously a Pinnacle Beater, now a retired donator. <laughs> uh, Phoenix at Oklahoma City Series price. Now, oh, buddy. this is super interesting to me because, I mean, the futures market will tell you, like Phoenix is shorter than OKC everywhere to win the title, to win the West. Insane. But, and I know this is never perfect. It's never one-to-one, but like Oklahoma City went into Dallas a week ago. I understand they got destroyed, but they were two and a half point favorites in Dallas with Luca and Kyrie healthy. I think Derek Lively might have missed, so it's not perfect. And there's always rest stuff and travel stuff in this. But Dallas are two and a half point favorites home to Phoenix, the first yes. game out of the All-Star break. Uh, the market has a ton of respect for OKC, which makes mm-hmm. sense because I think they have the second best net rating in the NBA. Uh, and there's a little more skeptical on Phoenix. Now, I guess you could say that in the playoffs, that with the ability of KD and Booker to play, you know, 44 minutes mm-hmm. and the fact that the Suns, you know, arguably have less depth than Oklahoma City, they probably get a bigger playoff adjustment. But if OKC have home court in that series, which if it does occur, they almost certainly will, then I think Oklahoma City have to be slight favorites there. Like at the top of my head, I was thinking like OKC, like minus 120, minus 125. What do you think? Okay, so are you thinking you're are you are you making the market or are you telling are you coming up with your fare there? Because I think there's pretty no, different I think there's pretty different answers, right? Like the yeah. market I the market might give us like we saw with Nuggets Suns last year. Whereas you know, there, there's just that you know, there's an aura, there's a until you've done it, until you've won the championship, um, you know, you're you're gonna get situations where a team with KD on it is treated as the better team because they have the better player, uh, because he has won rings and you 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 don't have a guy that has won rings and uh and so yeah, I think there's a very real world where uh if this occurred in say round two of the playoffs, which is probably where it most likely would happen in like a one five or a one four, right? Um that's probably where you would see this. And I think in that scenario, you would potentially get minus 120 plus 100 in favor of Phoenix. Um, my fare on this is Oklahoma City minus 180. Um, okay. So I would have a pretty decent side on Oklahoma City in this. Um, and again, like my... Uh, my, you know, I, I think the, the the two Dallas games you brought up is a great kind of snapshot in time of like how do the market, how does the market feel about these teams now? Uh, I currently have about a just over two and a half points difference on a neutral with Oklahoma City favored. Um, and if we actually did break down that series, uh, you know, it, it would be tough to find reasons to get involved with Phoenix. <laughs> I have to say. Uh, so, yeah, I think, um, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be in an interesting world uh, this year in the NBA playoff series betting markets with uh, teams like Oklahoma City who don't have pedigree, who don't have experience and who are going to be at a discount because of those factors. And you're going to have to make some tough decisions about, uh, you know, do you trust your math and your numbers here or do you go with the uh, the vibes and the mysticism and the, uh, uh, you know, the, the star power that comes with some of the, uh, you know, kind of the funkiness of playoff series. So, um, yeah, I think um, I, I, I really hope we get this series. I really would love to see these two teams in, uh, you know, the later stages of the playoffs. Um, and I mean, I guess if I could if I if I could just just pick second round playoff series, I'd like to see Clippers Nuggets and I'd like to see Thunder Suns. Those would be pretty awesome. Yeah. Uh, and no, no disrespect to the Timberwolves, but uh, uh, you know, I, I, I don't, not not really my brand of basketball. Watching the Timberwolves, so 
um we'll see uh see how it shakes out but uh yeah i would i would have uh, a pretty decent edge on oklahoma city in our in our kind of uh um you know in our thought exercise here and uh yeah uh we haven't even gotten around to the idea that of like who is ultimately going to be available for the suns like is bradley beal playing <laughs> Yeah, I think as someone who's holding a lot of Celtics title, I'd, I'd love to see the Timberwolves in the finals. Uh, maybe that's family <laughs> password, but um, yeah, there would be very Celtics to lose to Carl Anthony Towns in the finals. But I don't, I don't think that would, I don't think that would happen. Uh, I think the sneaky thing with Phoenix is that, and maybe it's not sneaky, but Kevin Durant just isn't as, as good, uh, which maybe makes sense because he's in his age thirty-five season. But mm-hmm. true shooting is down, EPM is down, his defense is worse. He's just not the same all-encompassing force that he was last year when he was he was a legit, I think, top three MVP candidate when he was in Brooklyn. He hasn't really been at that level in Phoenix. And I think the stuff about Phoenix's depth is, I don't know, maybe a little bit overrated because I think between Grayson Allen and Akogi and Royce O'Neal, Royce O'Neal, O'Neal and Eric Gordon, I think they have enough players there. But yeah, it is the question of, it's weird to say this about the Suns, but like, is the top end talent like is I think Shea Gilgis Alexander is pretty clearly the best player in that series um, at this point, and you could argue that okay, so have the better depth too. So um, hmm. yeah, I suspect with just the market seems to be a little bit out on Phoenix at the moment, and that can change as their big three plays more together. But I thought that what the market would have it is OKC very slight favorites, but could be wrong on that. All right, question three uh, for you, Drew, from, uh, you can say the guy's name. Any tips for handicapping betting swimming? Figured I would get in on the World Championships, so I'm ready when the Olympics come this summer. Yeah, that's a great question. Uh, that's what you should be thinking about in the offseason uh, is literally just preparing for uh, what is going to be a pretty awesome um, two weeks in July and August. And um yeah, I mean, uh, the uh, Aquatic World Championships just uh, just wrapping up here in Doha. Um, they were awesome. Uh, it was it's it's always weird in an Olympic year because they push this event into the winter when you know you have a lot of athletes who are competing for NCAA's. So you have a lot of athletes who are just kind of in the m- kind of middle of the bulk of their training. Like Katie Ledecky didn't go because she is kind of in kind of the the heart of her. Uh, hardcore training right now uh and you know i think um uh the keys to getting started if you're going to bet any sport in the olympics i think the first thing that you ought to do is find odds for last time right find pre-event odds and take a look at you know and try to figure out how did they come up with this how, wh- you know why was this the you know, why was this swimmer the favorite um before the you know before the meet started uh you know why 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 was this event uh you know like a kind of a cluster at the top as opposed to having a strong favorite whereas this event there was someone who was minus 5000 before we even saw anyone jump in the pool and so you know kind of going through that exercise was just looking at last time uh and kind of putting trying to take a snapshot of you know, what was the market looking like on the eve of the event? Uh, and then, you know, try to figure out why things went, why it was right, why it was wrong. Uh, and uh, just in particular, looking at certain events and trying to figure out, okay, well, 50 free is a little random. It's a little, it's a little tough to tell who's going to be the fastest uh, when it comes down to start, you know, and, and who got the best start off the blocks. Uh, and it's, it's a little tougher uh, than it is to figure out who's going to win 
the you know the women's 1500 right you know that like there's huge differences when it comes from you know event to event uh and i would particularly say uh if you can kind of start by figuring out how the market prices and then pay attention to uh the qualifying which is the true ramp up uh news and information that comes out through the qualifying cycle like when when that's being aired the stuff that they're saying on the broadcast is always very valuable uh you'll get nuggets like Oh, this person is expecting to do a personal best and they're not tapered, right? And you're like, oh, buddy, like, okay, we got, we got, we got something good cooking here, right? Uh, And uh, I think ultimately, um, you know, the news and information across qualifying is huge. Uh, And then when you get to the event itself, there's uniqueness about swimming where you have, it's a multi-stage qualification process, right? You get into the Olympics, congratulations. You do your heats, 16 qualify for semifinals eight then qualify for finals and uh, you know that's for most events the distance events there's only two there's only semis and finals but um the the idea of performing progressively and getting better as you get to the finals and being able to swim your fastest race at that final stage is is an important factor that a lot of players a lot of swimmers uh you know really kind of take seriously and so um you know as the event is going on like trying to you know, do enough to qualify for the next stage, but not so much that you're, you know, you're, uh, you've shot your, uh, you know, your best shot before you get to the finals is, is kind of a, a funny balancing act the way that the swimming, uh, you know, tends to play out. So, uh, these are all just some tips and some hints. Every sport has unique, weird wrinkles like this and like kind of really just digging into the rules, digging into the format, uh, and, uh, really trying to understand why the market is priced the way it's priced is, is all valuable in my opinion. Any thoughts from you, Jay? Yep. And that question was from, I believe, Mike Piccinino. I could be screwing that pronunciation up. I, I will say that, yeah, I agree with everything you said. And then also just with with swimming, um, with a lot of like the 100-meter, 200-meter sprints, like this kind of stuff, like it can be deceptive just looking at times because like you should actually, if you're betting this stuff, you need to actually watch the race because there is a lot of, and we talked about this before, but you know, market prices will be skewed off of heat times. Uh, and a lot of the times, like, um, you know, one of the f- presumptive favorites beforehand is just clearly taking the foot off the gas in the last 10, 15 meters. And that has infected their price when it really shouldn't have. And now it's difficult to kind of mend all together. Um, but you can find some advantages there, I think. All right. Question from our friend Garrett Gibson. Golf handicapping approach. Other than originating your own projections, what do you look for to bet on different golfers and how do you weight different things? Also, how do you try to structure your portfolio for any given week? Focus on matchups, outrights, top finishes, etc. Also, is my general strategy on the following, flawed or sound? I like to isolate putting stats and bet guys live in between rounds that are good uh, tee to green, but struggling with the putter and vice versa, fade hot putters who aren't as great tee to green, relying on putting as the most volatile stat. Uh, what say you, Drew? Yeah, I mean, the last part is probably the most important, um, which is to say if you are coming at this with a kind of a hybrid quantitative qualitative approach where you're just looking for who could be overpriced, underpriced, uh, and preying on the idea of there being a buy low, sell high on a given player with a volatile stat like putting, like, congratulations, like you've got you've made it to like, you know, the, the you know, master's level uh you know handicapping golf from what i could tell you um and you know the the um uh the kind of broader question about process i think is you know is 
is maybe flawed at the very start of that question, which is other than originating, like that's that's what you should be doing. <laughs> like you should be coming up with fares. Uh, and I would, uh, you know, kind of focus on stuff that is around 50-50 like matchups as opposed to trying to really dial in on fares for um, for outrights and, and first round leaders and stuff like that. Because, uh, you know, with, with anything, you know, even if you have a really good edge on something that's a very relatively low likelihood outcome, um, you know, you could really grind and lose a lot before you still start to see some results and before you start to get uh, some feedback in your, is your process correct? Is it flawed? Uh, you know, and if you're out there, you're like, man, these guys are 160, they should be 80. And you bet three of them in a given week. And they, like may they may outperform their uh, you know their data golf projections. Congratulations! Like this, you still need some luck to actually get those to the window. So I think focusing a little bit um, you know on matchups to start with is is important. And I think using a strokes gained framework is valuable. Uh, I will caveat all this by saying. About two years ago, I like did my full year's worth of numbers, twenty twenty two, and I was pretty. Um, like, like sick to my stomach about what a leak betting golf was for me. <laughs> so I ramped down big time in 2023, and I'm just kind of almost all the way out now, and just enjoying it as a fan in 2024 because the people who are kind of solved golf are freaking brilliant, and they have do they're doing it quantitatively. Uh, and you know, you you I I think if you want to get there, you can. Uh, I would start with you know, kind of the specific data golf framework and understand how they came up with their models, how they're coming up with their numbers, and then try to take a look at of over a couple of events, where are they getting things wrong? And then try to sort out why are they getting things wrong? And then if you can incorporate one layer on top of what they're already doing, where they're like, like, like find a bust, like, oh my gosh, they're not rating recent performance nearly strongly enough they're you know they're kind of just taking an average over 18 months like they should be really focusing on who's performing well now because there's a hot hand going on here right like something like that could be uh, a little bit of a breakthrough if you're really looking at their numbers or coming up with like some other kind of qual- you know quantitative number that you can add as a layer onto what they're doing uh, and and really kind of reduce uh, you know where they're misfitting on their projections I think is uh, is where I would attack um, now it's a huge, huge time investment to do that. So uh, best of luck to you if you choose to go that route. But uh, otherwise, I think, uh, you know, just in general, using sort of a hybrid qualitative quantitative approach where you're, uh, you know, you're specifically buying low, selling high because of putting, that seems reasonable to me. Yep. No, I think that's that seems reasonable to me as well. I think that a lot of the uh, a lot of flawed analysis, not necessarily from betters, but from pundits about golf and you know predicting who is going to do well at a given tournament is the idea that they're going to sustain a hot putter, um, which is yeah, yeah to uh, to Garrett's point, um, extremely volatile. Uh, look, I'm not originating golf myself, but the feedback I would give in terms of um, kind of my experience um, working for a book and just knowing people in the industry is yeah, to your point. There are a ton of the smartest bettors in the world who uh, kind of for a living solve golf outrights and golf markets. Uh, And it's a pretty difficult, particularly outrights, a very difficult market to crack. Secondly, um, when I worked at a book, the market that we leaked the most on by far um, to to sharp clients were tournament matchups, and that's the, the those are the markets that get targeted the most. I think that they're the most exploitable. So if you're going to try and invest time in solving something in golf, I would be trying to solve that instead of trying to solve uh, who's going to win the Masters, uh, which is pretty difficult. Um, and then the third one, 
it's the random one, but like golf live trading isn't as automated as most people would expect. Uh, and when you're live trading a golf tournament, it is just really hard to keep track of everyone <laughs> on Thursday and Friday. And that is where like there will be, like if you're trying to pick off prices, uh, particularly with guys who are longer in the field, like, yeah, you always know where Scotty Scheffler's price should be. But if you're looking, you know, further, further down, um, then there's a potential that, you know, you can get a guy at 200 to one when he's actually moved to 35 to one and books kind of struggle keeping up with that type of stuff. So that would be my feedback on uh, the golf. All right, spring training is here. So for those looking to get ahead on the upcoming MLB season, grab your Roto-World Baseball Draft Guide. It's loaded with comprehensive positional rankings, projections, and player profiles to ensure your draft is a success. Visit nbcsports.com slash draft guide and use code BASEBALL24 to get 10% off at checkout. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Selling smoothies is what I do. But for small business insurance, I chose my State Farm agent. He's a small business owner, too. So he knew how to help me personalize my policies. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to an agent today. Hey everyone, it's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. All right, one more question uh, from Archer Sterling 007, um, mm. which is a great name. Uh, would love your insight and opinions on crypto market, mm. uh, BTC, et cetera, NBA movies and travel. I like an open-ended question. Um, always enjoyed it. <laughs> Damn, Drew, because I could take it wherever I wanted, but uh, let you start off. Where do you want to go with this? I'll go with crypto first then. Uh the having is a programmed, um, you know, it's a, it's a it's a coded supply shock for available Bitcoin, and it's coming up in April. Uh, the signal is pretty clear through every having we've had uh, that there is, you know, with the supply shock, price goes up. Uh, and so if you're looking to speculate, uh, I think, you know, the 2024 in pr particular, the late spring is probably, uh, you know, if you're not already paying close attention is really where you need to start watching for opportunities to enter the market. And, uh, I would also say that everything that is tangential to Bitcoin, all of the alt currencies and the NFTs and all that, it is all garbage. Fundamentally, it does not have anything. It is all speculative nonsense. Um, Bitcoin is actually used to settle you know to, to settle debts and to you know kind of uh, move money globally at, at large scale with you know with perfect fidelity and with uh, uh, you know your own custody of your own money and so I like it has use uh, all the rest of that stuff does not that does not mean that the prices of those garbage assets won't also go up they may go up even more phenomenally because it's just a speculative bubble um but uh i particularly stick to bitcoin and i try to time 
entry and exit with, you know, just in general, what's going on worldwide. Um, this is now an asset that's being traded uh, through, you know, ETFs and, uh, you know, at in futures markets, you know, globally. So, um, you know, there's there's a lot of stability. There's a lot of infrastructure. It's a trillion dollar asset. Uh, and I think uh, realistically has scope to get into the multiple trillions of dollars um, in our lifetime. And I think that means that a supply that is capped, price will go up. Uh, none of this is investment advice, and uh, I think uh, realistically, it's you know don't get too excited about this stuff um, because it is all still you know somewhat new. Um, but uh, that said, 2024 is going to be a pretty exciting time in crypto, I guess. Okay, well, I'm way out of my depth with the crypto, so <laughs> on that, uh, I would have no idea what I'm talking about. So um i will go with movies and travel as part of uh archer 007's question so you can talk about bitcoin i will talk about ryan reynolds the most mm. underrated film of the past 15 to 17 years for me is a film called mississippi grind with ben mendelson and ryan reynolds uh which is about a down on his luck gambler and this film never gets talked about in the same breath uh, as Rounders, for instance, which I think is probably the kind of definitional kind of gambling film. Um, not going to throw uh, two for the money in there. Uh, but Mississippi Grind is a is it's a magnificent film, regardless of whether you're a better or not. I'm stunned that this doesn't have doesn't have more kind of pull in the zeitgeist. Um, but it's a movie that should be watched. It has a 6.4 out of 10 rating on IMDb. The 91% on Rotten Tomatoes is much more indicative of the film's quality. So highly recommend everyone watch Mississippi Grind. And then uh, for the travel aspect of your question, Archer, the two best trips I've ever done in my life. One was taking the Trans-Siberian Railway from Moscow to Vladivostok, which you probably don't want to do for a little while yet. So the second best trip of my life was going backpacking from... La Paz in Bolivia, all the way down to Ushuaia, uh, the southern tip of Argentina, all through Patagonia, um, going through in particular the northern parts of Patagonia, Pucon, Bariloche, and then you go down further south, El Calafate sucks, and it's where it's very touristy, no good, but there's a small, smaller town near El Calafate called El Chalten, which is much more untouched. You won't get reception, uh, and the mountains are magnificent. Uh, so El Chalten. Uh, and Pucon Bariloche, Patagonia in general, would be my uh, travel tip. Uh, Drew, anything to add? Any comments on two for the money? Uh, no, 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 no. Not my type of movie, but um, I'm going to check out Mississippi Grind, though. That was a very strong recommendation. Yeah. Um, I got a lot of homework to do on on, on movies. Uh, Oscars coming up, obviously. There's no yeah. betting to be had, really, on the Oscars. I'm not sure if you've seen those markets, but they look pretty uh, pretty solved. <laughs> the, uh, yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah, Oppenheimer's finally on Max, so that's fun. And, uh, yeah, I, no, I'm, I'm, I'm in general. I'm more of a travel guy than a movie guy, but uh, that was uh, those were especially fun tips for patagonia i'm uh putting that higher on my list that sounds amazing yeah no it's very good yeah oscars wise i had a uh, once upon a time i had a demar hamelin type of stake on um heath ledger to win best supporting actor uh for uh the dark knight and uh yeah apparently i have affinity on um that type of uh runner in the market and uh fortunately heath got home for me uh maybe next time demar all right um, oh, El, El Chatin, by the way, that's uh, that's uh, right by uh, Cerro Torre and uh, yeah. Mount Fitzroy. Oh, this is uh, that, that's that's some of the most uh, spectacularly beautiful, prominent mountains on earth. Yep. Um, um okay. also, 
went across to uh, Puerto Natales in Chile uh, for to, to trek Torres del Paine. I had to mm-hmm. fight off uh, a pack of five stray dogs in uh, Puerto Natales with my backpack, um, but eventually did that and was able to make the trek. Um, Puerto Natales really is, is not that much outside of the one kind of uh, USD $1 equivalent Pisco Sours. Not a ton going on in Puerto Natales, mm-hmm. but uh, Torres del Paine is, uh, is magnificent um, and well worth uh, a trek as well. But yeah, Mount Fitzroy, El Chalten, can't, reckon, can't recommend enough. All right. Uh, Big 10 teams, Drew, are looking to boost their resume for the big dance down the back stretch of mm. the conference season. And on Tuesday night, four teams will make their case for the committee. It starts when Iowa travels to East Lansing for a battle with Michigan State at 6.30 Eastern. Then stick around as upset-minded Maryland tries to take down Wisconsin at 9. Stream both games exclusively on Peacock. Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So... No, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Hey, everyone. It's Ted from Consumer Cellular, the guy in the orange sweater, and this is your wake-up call. If you're paying too much for wireless service, you don't have to keep having that nightmare. Consumer Cellular has the same fast, reliable coverage as the leading carriers for less. And for a limited time, new customers receive their second month free when they sign up and use promo code MONTHFREE by May 31st. So why keep spending more than you have to? Seriously, wake up and call 1-888-FREEDOM or visit ConsumerCellular.com. Taxes, fees, and other third-party charges will apply. See website for additional details. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco-move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is, and it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today. All right. Russell Wilson, um, who, yeah, remains a fixture uh, in NFL pop culture. Uh, His 2024 team, he is minus 110 to go to the Pittsburgh Steelers, who are talking about a uh, a quarterback battle between uh, Mason Rudolph and Kenny Pickett, um, which Mm -hmm. sounds like a bad fever dream that was left on the cutting room floor of Mississippi Grind. Uh, The Broncos are plus 320 uh, for him to remain there. Falcons plus 450. Pats plus four fifty, Raiders six to one, and that's kind of your top tier. Uh, do you have any any sense, any mail on where Russ ends up? Fox Broadcasting booth, the choice. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, no, I'm being somewhat facetious, but at the same time, like uh, I don't really know what you're seeing at for for cost that would kind of convince you that uh you know he's your answer for starting quarterback in 2024 or beyond um that said uh you know the the name that i think gets bantied about and has sort of the 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 kind of uh the breadcrumbs around it that um kind of makes sense is the panthers because you have a somewhat similar statured quarterback in bryce young who you desperately need to get to at least uh you know kind of 80% 80% of Russell Wilson's peak if to, if to realize that draft choice. Uh, and uh, I don't know ultimately if he's willing to take on the type of role of being a, you know, tutelage, but um, you know, 
of being a mentor, but uh, I would definitely kind of look at that as sort of a huge price and say, you know, there there's a little bit of smoke. There's a little bit of, um, you know, path there where, uh, you know, there it, it makes sense to when you say it out loud. Uh, basically, everywhere else where you have teams that, particularly in the AFC, need starting quarterbacks, I think it's all going to be draft. Patriots are going to draft a quarterback. Uh, Raiders are going to draft a quarterback. Um, I think uh, realistically the uh, AFC South is set with young quarterbacks. I think the um, uh, the Broncos are going to draft a quarterback. I cannot see Russell Wilson going back to the Broncos. I'm, I'm shocked that's the second choice in this market. Um, and uh, you know, I don't. He's not going. There, there's basically there's you know there's there's a kind of a not enough. Um, you know, it's chairs around musical chairs wise for some of these veteran quarterbacks this year. And I think in general, uh, teams are going to pivot to, um, the draft this year, uh, to try to answer questions in the quarterback market. And, uh, yeah, so I, I don't really see a, uh, a suitor, uh, outside of, uh, taking on a role as a mentor in Carolina. I say first, it is ridiculous that Emily Blunt is second favorite for best supporting actress for Oppenheimer. <laughs> she genuinely had like one, one really, really good scene and then was completely anonymous the rest of the film. She's the second favorite for that award. If she wins that award, it is an absolute travesty. It'd be like, uh, be like, Remember when Kyle Corver made the All Star team? Sure. To win. Like, no, let's just give Emily Blunt an All Star selection because she was on the the team of the of the year uh, in Oppenheimer. Yeah, it really, it's like Oppenheimer's going to sweep everything between Robert Downey Jr., Killian Murphy, Christopher Nolan. Uh, yeah. Clean sweep. It's a good, mm. really good film. Um, certainly not unworthy, but I'm not sure it warrants this. And also, Ryan Gosling and Barbie. Uh, he's plus six hundred for best supporting actor. He was better in that film than Robert Downey Jr. was in Oppenheimer at minus sixteen hundred, honestly. And you know, we don't vote on the most deserving. Um, <laughs> we don't bet on the most deserving either. We bet on who's going to win, and apparently, it's going to be Robert Downey Jr. Uh, anyway, Russell Wilson. I think so. Russ, he was. If you look at the EPA um, completion percentage over expected composite, he was thirteenth in the NFL, which is pretty good, but. EPA per play, he was 18th. PFF grade, he was 18th. Uh, that makes perfect sense to me. He very much feels like the 18th best quarterback in football. So I think it's just a question of, is there any team that he could go to where uh, he vaults them into being a, in, a a meaningful team? And I guess the Falcons, like if the Falcons had Russell Wilson this past year, they, uh, I think they win the division, um, which is... It would be important to them. I don't think they're winning the Super Bowl or anything, but the Raiders have always made some sense given that they're probably not going to be picking high enough to take uh, a marquee quarterback in the draft. Um, but and I don't think Aiden O'Connell, um, who, by the way, I interviewed Aiden O'Connell on Radio Row. He was lovely. Uh, and one of my favorite moments on Radio Row is as we we're leading into the interview, we were showing like a uh, a highlight of him throwing a touchdown pass to Jacoby Myers mm-hmm. and Aiden O'Connell's watching the highlight being like, yeah, that was sick. <laughs> Just great. Who is that guy? It's yeah. me. <laughs> <laughs> and he's commenting on how he didn't realize his jersey was all scuffed up after the highlight and now someone should have told him so he looked better on TV. But uh, yeah, uh, only wish the best for Aiden O'Connell, but don't think he's going to be the starter going forward for the Raiders. Um, and I guess Russ would make sense there, stay in the division. 
Um, but yeah, I don't think ultimately. Is there any team that you think he really would move the needle for? Oh no, 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 for sure not. <clears throat> um, I mean, you, you're saying you saying he's 18th best. Like, okay, I'm not like like uh, not definitely not going to nitpick that. Like, yeah, David was 18th best, but like, um, he's one where the situation he was in, uh, the coach he was paired with, and um, the um, uh, what he was asked to do. Right, like the I, not none of it really spelled. Okay, this guy is going to recover the level of championship contending quarterback, um, and yes, yeah, you know, Sean Payton not being able to get more out of him than that. Sean Payton specifically deciding, hey man, we're going to put you in a box and really, really make you ask you to do, you know, virtually nothing here. And even then, he had some just absolute unbelievable gaffes, like the end of the Jets game where he fundamentally lost the game for them um you know with a just a horrific throw so i, I you know i think there's there's enough that i i would be very very surprised if he has you know like a really meaningful starting opportunity and that you know any team is convincing themselves we're going for a championship we're excited russ i think it's it's much more the latter of you know we're bringing him in to either help kind of challenge a young guy or you know to to try to help uh kind of you know as like a a mentor type of role um so i think that's just where it is and honestly like i get i'm getting the sense just from hearing what a lot of the evaluators are saying in the draft that there are a lot of teams like the raiders who are like starting to talk themselves into the fourth fifth sixth best quarterback in this draft in round one um and i think you could very well see one two three qb 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 uh and then at that point um you know three more go before the end of round one. So uh, if six teams are taking, you know, young kids and they're going to all think, Hey, this is our CJ Stroud. You know, we're going to, we're going to leap to relevance right away with the, you know, with a rookie. Uh, it may be a, a tough scene for some of the uh, established vets who are looking for jobs in the QB position. Yeah. Already looking forward to uh, betting the NFL draft, um, which I know is very much um, up your alley. I kind of hate it, even though it's been for the most part <laughs> profitable and these markets are, are jokes and completely wrong. But it is kind of, uh, yeah, it's very frustrating when uh, something goes wrong in an NFL draft market as opposed to just like betting on the Oklahoma City Thunder to win the Northwest Division um, and knowing exactly what you're getting round by round. But um, yeah, we'll talk about that and we'll talk about. Russell Wilson more as we go. But for now, we are done. Don't forget to check out NBCSports.com for more information to help you with your wages. Thanks to those watching on the NBC Sports YouTube channel. If you're listening to us in podcast form, don't forget to rate and subscribe. Also a reminder to find all your favorite NBC Sports shows on Amazon Music. Just head to Amazon.com slash NBC Sports. From Jay Croucher and Drew Dinsick, go watch Mississippi Grinds. Go not watch Two for the Money and go visit El Shal 10. We'll see you tomorrow. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Angie's list is now Angie, and we've heard a lot of theories about why. I thought it was an eco move. Fewer words, less paper. No, it was so you could say it faster. No, it's to be more iconic. Must be a tech thing. But those aren't quite right. It's because now you can compare upfront prices, book a service instantly, and even get your project handled from start to finish. Sounds easy. It is. And it makes us so much more than just a list. Get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I. Or download the app today.